Over the holidays, many of us find ourselves getting together with our siblings and our extended families. Invariably, in these gatherings, the conversation circles back to stories from our childhood. I am the fourth out of five children, and our ages span over nine years. My oldest brother Larry's experience of growing up in our family is quite different than mine because I'm seven years younger than he is. So it makes sense that the foundational and key memories that make up our past experiences and understandings are different. Details that one of us swears happens are one that another doesn't recall at all. But if you're like me, you've heard your brother's account so many times that you accept it as reality. Sometimes when I'm recalling a pivotal moment or event in my childhood, I'll ask my sisters who are closer to my age, did this thing happen the way that I'm remembering? Or is it just me and you recall it differently or you don't remember it at all? Many a Thanksgiving meal has been spent rehashing an experience with multiple siblings weighing in on how they remember it. Same events, different people, different point of view, different meaning inferred, different ways of telling the same story. So it is with the evangelists who wrote the gospels. Consider our passage from John this morning. This is the Christmas story, and it is the third way scripture tells us. It's the same story that Luke tells with shepherds and angels and a babe in a manger. And it's the same story that Matthew tells with Joseph's dreams and wise men and the Holy Family's flight to Egypt for safety. But the point of view at each of these accounts is different. That's because different folks in the family are telling the same story. Luke, who wrote the familiar story that we hear on Christmas Eve, was a bit of a historian. He was concerned with getting dates and rulers right and with locating everything in recognizable time and space. We believe Luke was a Gentile convert so he was concerned about the role of people who, like him, were considered outsiders among God's people. The details of the story that draw his attention are the shepherds who were social outcasts and the modest way that Jesus came into the world in a manger because there was no room at the inn. Luke tells the Christmas story from Mary's perspective a pretty radical move as at the time, women were even lower on the social ladder than shepherds. Matthew is more traditional. He was certainly a Jew, not a convert. He was concerned with making it clear that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah, the King of the Jews. So shepherds didn't interest him as much as wise men who confirmed the kingship manifested in the babe. And he paid attention to the family's flight to Egypt because it has such strong parallels with the story of Moses and his exodus from Egypt. The more traditional Matthew tells the Christmas story from Joseph's point of view. Then there is John. 
John is a theologian and a mystic. He isn't as concerned with historical details. Instead, he writes of the meaning of Jesus' birth. He writes from his theology and from his holy imagination. But he is still telling the same story. All three are talking about the same birth and all three are saying the same thing. Now John begins his story a little earlier than the others. He reminds us that Christmas really begins where Genesis begins, in the beginning with God's creation. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And later in the passage, John, in just nine words, tells us his Christmas story. And the word became flesh and lived among us. This being who was with God in creation became a person, became flesh, became as completely human as you and I. Not God with a people suit costume on, not a really good person that God rewarded and made special. Not a super being that God created early on and then saved up for Bethlehem. But a person who was the Word, who was God's own self. Soaring words from John for one of the most down-to-earth things that God has ever done. But it's still the Christmas story. It's still the story that Matthew and Luke tell. And if you look, you can see that they all share one distinct way of telling it. They each have one image that they use to help us understand this birth in Bethlehem. Each of them talk about the light, the heavenly light that shone round the shepherds, the light of the star that guided the Magi, and in John, the light that shines in the darkness. This reference to light resonates with us because we know darkness. We know what it is to not be able to see where things are going, to fear what is waiting for us in the dark, to feel that the light is fading and darkness is closing in around us. We know what it is to carry the weight of the darkness of the world, the weight of the darkness of our own circumstance. And we know what it is to be awash in full, almost blinding light. All three Christmas stories tell us that Christmas is a light that shines quietly, but with absolute certainty. And by that light, we can begin to see. By that light, we can begin to see who we are and who we're created to be. For it is in the person of Jesus that what it means to be fully human is finally made clear. And it is by that light that has come into the world that we begin to see God clearly for the first time. God's people had spent centuries trying to learn who God was, 
They had direct experiences of God. They had kings and prophets who spoke for God. They had the law to help them stay within the guardrails of where God would be found. Yet, as John reminds us in his Christmas story, no one has ever seen God. But now, God is made known to us definitively in Jesus Christ. So, everything we thought about God, everything we had figured out, everything we were so sure we knew of God, all of this is up for amendment, for conversion, for transformation in Jesus Christ. Everything, everything we believe about God must now be put through the interpretive lens of Jesus Christ. Further, who God is in relationship to us is fully revealed in Jesus. In Jesus and in his relationships, we see the relationship that God desires to have with each of us. God's fullness in Jesus is not captured in one saying or one parable or one miracle or one sacrificial act, but in all of him in his life, ministry, death, and resurrection. In the fullness of all that comprises who Jesus is and how he lived, we finally have the light to see God. The light of Christ, the word made flesh, comes among us at Christmas. And so we celebrate his coming into the world. God revealed himself and his deep love for us definitively in Jesus Christ. That first Christmas, the light shone and it continues to shine. It continues to allow us to see and then to turn outward and reflect to a world living in darkness what we have seen. To all who receive him, he gives power to become children of God, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Through Christ, we are beloved children of God. And in Jesus, we've been given power to take our place within his light. This is important because when life comes crashing in, when the relationship ends, when the job loss occurs, when our abilities wane, when the diagnosis is given, we need to have a space to anchor our souls. In his Christmas story, John gives us that. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Amen.